Friday, everyone. Uh, August 26th. So glad that uh, everyone is here. Uh, that's the Bodines. We've done it before. Jess and I were talking about, we have a different walk-up There's song. There's a different one, Chuck, one late to guess. Yeah, for our guest today. But uh, Jess and yeah. I were in the green room and I was like, I just want to play this effing song again, even though we've already <laughs> done it before. So it's that kind of a day, that kind of mood. So, yeah. uh, so glad that you guys are here. Uh, look at that audience, 2,555. Oh, which is awesome. So uh, really, really excited you guys are here. And as people keep pouring in, um, let's go ahead and get started. Jess, um, we always do this a little bit out of order, which is cool, but how are you? I am amazing. I'm good. I'm green, which we'll do with everybody in a second. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm green too. I'm remembering blue, but I'm green. Uh, really, really green. Um, because it's Friday, it's beautiful, mm -hmm. uh, and everything feels a little normal. There's a lot of people going through pains of various sorts. My uh, um, mother-in-law and stepdad are going through some bad COVID stuff in Pennsylvania, which is unfortunate, but um, a huge, huge fan of uh, a lot of positive spirit bringing people through things. So um, as much as... Uh, We've all been going through lots of stuff for a long time. Uh, hopefully you guys are uh, are feeling somewhat good. It's Friday the 26th. For those of you in Minnesota, which I know we've got some Minnesota folks, um, the State Fair is upon us. Mm -hmm. If anyone's been to the Minnesota State Fair, it's a great thing to go to. Um, and uh, let's jump right, since everyone's already answering the question. <laughs> let's change the question. No, just kidding. Since everyone's already asking the question before we start the question, uh, we always start with a quick question, which is probably one of the most important questions in the world. How are you? And there's really three answers. Green, yellow, red. Actually, there's only three in this game. Green, you feel great, energized, like more energy than you've ever had to do anything you want to do. Uh, yellow, eh, not so good. Hard week. Red, not in a good place right now, but guess what? We're going to get there. Um Look at the greens. I haven't Please. seen anything but green yet. Holy cow. Please don't let that discourage you. Please put some Trending green or reds because um, as we always talk about here, it's, imp <laughs> <laughs> it's important to share uh, when you're not green. Um, yeah. It's really important to get that off your chest and things like that. Kyle, yellow to mostly green. Tanya, green. Katie, green. Marissa Green. So all of those are exciting. Uh, Aubrey. Aubrey. Aubrey, my favorite artist. Green. Steve Jewell. Green. And it's Steve's happy. Yeah, Steve Lewis, community member, just had a big, big birthday. So Ooh. that's all. So excited about that. Uh, really, really excited about that as well. Um, Jess, I forgot to ask who's new. Um, yeah, I see new names in here in the yeah. chat. Usually we say who's new. Uh, and I forgot to say that. So anyone that's new, Please identify yourself, type in, I am new, and let us know where you're joining from in the world. Um, I think you guys know we get uh, some amazing analytics here, and we've got people from India, Australia, you know, lots of different parts of Europe, Canada, and all over the United States. So uh, let us know if you are new, where you're joining from. Well, actually, why don't you just all type in where you're joining from? Yeah. Just because a lot of people are moving around. You know, and it's a holiday, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So let us know where you're joining from. City, state, zip code, GPS coordinates. No, just kidding. Um, just city, state would be awesome. Uh, yeah, feeling people are feeling shy. Uh, New York. Come on, speak up. This, Wacom, Wacoma, Tacoma, Tennessee, <laughs> Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Chicago, Brazil. I love Fernanda from Brazil, uh, beach. New York, India, yeah. new from Redondo Beach. Wow, not far from where I used to live. Canton, Ohio, Denver, Portlandia, mm. uh, Holly Springs, Bradley Beach, New Jersey. I wonder where that is. Bradley Beach. Wow. Uh, if you're wondering how we know each other well enough to wish each other a happy birthday, this is our 121st 
time of recording this live podcast together. Uh, and some of you community members have hardly missed a beat. Like, I, I don't I don't know if anybody has perfect attendance over those. Jason and I don't even have perfect attendance. We've right. even missed yeah. A couple here and there. Uh, but this is truly, a, truly a community. If you're new here, we do this every Friday. And yes, we've gotten to know each other, Tr community in every sense of the word. Uh, and we celebrate each other, including birthdays, anniversaries, work events, job losses, new jobs, promotions, cool stuff. You're like, tattoos, this isn't tattoos right? Tattoos, <laughs> tattoos right? Everything. Yes. We've joined Jason on the road. You've joined me on a race course. Like we take this everywhere. This is all about you and us. This is this is the community. 121 hours that matter. I love that, Jess. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, we jumped in a lake together we too. That. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun. We're gonna do live from Las Vegas in a few weeks, which is great. Yeah. Which, by the way, notice underneath it says "Catch us at HR Tech 2022." Um, we'll put the link over on the chat. Um, we're having a big uh, after dark party. After dark party uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, it's not going to be weird. It doesn't it sounds after dark sounds weird. It's not going to be weird. But please register. Would love to get as many community members there as possible, and we'll put that link there as well. John, I saw that note about Rob. Um, you know, your husband who got that screen screenwriter job on Facebook. I was so, so excited about that. So I love when people share stuff during the week about what's going on in the community. It's really, 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 really encouraging. Um, Leo often sends some great writing that he does and Bryce sends some interesting quotes. So, you know, all of it makes up community and build connection together, which is, uh, which is awesome. Who's a new person I saw up here from um, Brazil? Uh, yeah. Fernanda, Fernanda, welcome from Brazil. Uh, I hope you're there. What time is it in Brazil, Fernanda? I could look this up, but I'd rather talk to you. Um, <laughs> what time is it in Brazil? And uh, how did you find us? Oh, um, Jackie's enjoying my Instagram posts on Sundays. Jackie, I love sharing. I think that all of us learn from sharing. So, um, Thank you for saying that, that you're liking that. I appreciate all the uh, appreciate all the likes. Uh, Jess, one thing about your week this week that you learned, that you loathed, something that you want to share with the group. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, maybe grace. We used that word a lot early on in the pandemic when we were all juggling a lot. I was on vacation last week. Joined still joined our Friday call from, from New York, from the tail end of my vacation, I allowed myself to completely unplug, didn't check on a, in a, check in on a single thing, uh, which meant I kind of paid the price this week. You all know what it's like to come back from vacation. I think the day before you go on vacation is a person's most productive work day ever. <laughs> and the day you come back from vacation might be your most ineffective work day ever because you're just sort of drowning and breaking yourself out of email jail. Um, and so yeah, I gave myself a little bit of grace to sort of prioritize and reorient. Um, I'd love to know, I, I, I don't know about you, but all I see is vacation pictures this summer. I'm so glad people are making up for lost time and they're out and about and they're taking the vacations they've been saving up and all of that. I'd love to know if some of you uh, did that for yourselves this summer. I hope you're, you're taking time away. So maybe that's me, Jason. How about you? One thing. So one thing. I just. I mean, I have had an awesome week this week. But one thing is an organization that we've been working with for six months got approval to move ahead with a transformation. Mm. Been trying to move ahead with for eight years. Eight years. And for the people in that organization, that hung in for eight years. Wow. That had patience to wait for eight years, that kept fighting for what they believed in for eight years to finally get the approval, for us to finally work with them on their business case and for them to get the go ahead. I, I literally cried. And I know that I'm not supposed to talk about crying when you said something good, but <laughs> just see their faces and to see their excitement. And yesterday I did a session for them that uh, 
that was just it, just to watch their reaction mm. um, made it made every single moment worthwhile. So, um, but I guess that's it, Jess. That's the one. Oh, that's amazing. that's a testament to how much of ourselves we throw into the work that we do. That it's that important and that meaningful to them and to you. Uh, you know, Jess, we were having a conversation earlier today, and one of the things that we talked about was patience. Sometimes mm -hmm. patience, sometimes patience is probably one of the most important skills that a lot of us can have. Um, you know, and sometimes you're like, oh, I hit my head against the wall 50 times. You know, but at the same time, sometimes patience pays off. And in this particular case, 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 holy cow, <laughs> not patience paid off. So uh, anyway, yeah. that was the best part of, um, that was the best part of my week. And then from a personal standpoint, the best part of my week was having the opportunity to see you in person. And the fact that I saw you in the office yesterday, I was like, is that real? Is that real? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was the, that's the highlight of my personal week. Yeah. You're like, I'm the highlight of your personal week? That's a little weird. Sorry. I mean, it's pretty normal, actually. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had that, to take that. That, that is about it. So we are about to bring on our guest who i'm so so excited about um i can't even tell you it's been a friend of mine for a long long time someone else is going to be at hr tech uh in las vegas this year did we ever put the link to uh the party in there jess mm, i don't think we have yet I'll, i'm sure i've got it on one of my 200 we need to put the link in there so that you guys can be, so we can run up the i saw the drink menu last night uh, no. And we've got some really cool drinks um, at that event, too. So let's put the link in there so people can register for those of you that are, uh, well, there it is, for those of you that are coming to Vegas. So while we bring on the guest, I'm going to play that person's walk-up song. Okay, Chuck, this is the one. See if you can get it. Yeah, I had while, to show While we do that, we'll see if anyone guesses what it is. Hey, can you hear me okay? Yes. Great. How are you? I'm having a green day. I'm having a yeah. green week. So How about uh, walk-up song? You ready? I nailed it. I'm ready. I'm pumped. You know? I, I like your it. I like your Chuck opening music. <laughs> Chuck got it. Yeah, oh, Lenny yeah. Kravitz. Why? We've got Where Are We Running? We've got Lenny. We've got Lenny. We've got Kravitz. It sounds like Lenny. I'm carbon um, I'm carbon dating myself, obviously, but uh <laughs> But so did you with the Bodines, so. Yeah. Right. Oh, good. Bodines, you can't beat them. But also, I can't beat Lenny. Do you have any stories about Lenny that why that's a song for you? No, I mean, just like really enjoyed a good concert. Um, he played, I'm, in, I'm from New Jersey, so he played the, the PNC Arts Center, which is a really wonderful one of these outdoor concert venues. And I've always been a fan. Um, and so I just, uh, just had a, a really good vibe from that one. No personal connection, no relationship. No, it sounded like ZZ Top to me, and I couldn't get off of ZZ Top. But Lenny is amazing. <laughs> he is. He rules. Still going strong. Yeah. So, Don, um, before we get to the obvious sets of questions, one of my favorite parts about even our prep call was looking at you in that chair. <laughs> like, see, I'm at my standing desk. Jess is at a chair that looks like she's in a lounge. You right. look like you are at master control. In a cockpit, you're like you're a pilot. That's an amazing chair. <laughs> it was uh, it was a COVID uh, early COVID purchase. Uh, once I was you know started working from home and spending long stretches of time sitting uh, at my desk, I, I felt like I needed to upgrade my chair. So I went over to the local Office Depot 
try a sat in a million chairs. And this is actually a gamer's chair. Oh, which look, is, just, 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 just recognized Yeah, exactly. Gaming chair. Because who else, you know, sits in their chair for 12 hours and stares at a screen without moving? But uh, but a gamer. Yeah. So, so, so you like the chair? It's comfortable. Gets the job done. Thank <laughs> you. Office Depot, $2.99. Best purchase I made for my COVID uh, home office. I love it. Awesome. So, Don, we always start with um, kind of your story. Um, you know, your parents raised you to be an HR tech. Your parents raised you to be a payroll person. Um, like, how did you get to where you are? Um, you know, and you can start back at age two if you want. Well, that's a little that's a little far back. But uh, I start out my career as an aeronautical engineer. I have an undergraduate and a graduate degree in aeronautical engineering. So. I think the leap to payroll and HR should be obvious from there, but uh, <laughs> maybe I'll fill in a couple of details. So I was at, I was at GE, I uh, started my career. Great place to start a career from an HR perspective too. Great training, great leadership development. Um, but, uh, and I was in the satellite telecommunications business. I worked on, uh, I worked on the GPS uh, network. I worked on Dish Network, if anybody watches uh, Dish TV. Um, but uh, a few years in, GE decided to exit that business and they sold it off. And um, I, at that point, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So uh, I did the natural thing, which is went into consulting to tell other people what they should do. Um, yeah. And uh, so I was at Pricewaterhouse uh, in the technology consulting world. Uh, fast forward a few years, uh, Pricewaterhouse sold the consulting business to IBM. And when I got to IBM around 2002, that's when IBM was making a big push into uh, outsourcing services, HR outsourcing, also finance and accounting outsourcing. That was my my first real good, solid introduction into the space. Started working with the team that was building that uh, that business. Uh, enjoyed it quite a lot. It's always fun when you're at the at the entry stages, and we were doing like really uh, broad scale. You know, we called them multi-tower outsourcing projects. We do sometimes a combination, total back office, HR, finance, and procurement. Um, and we partner a lot with, with you know, various call them subcontractors because IBM would want a prime. And um, on a bunch of the HR outsourcing deals I worked on, we were actually partnered with ADP um, on the, the global payroll aspects. And I really got to know the, the ADP folks uh, quite well through that connection and um, actually became really enamored with the model because it was kind of interesting where IBM was was providing this, you know, kind of uh, like I said, master service agreements, but then plugging in, you know, companies like ADP to deliver some of the technology underneath. I said, this is interesting, you know, in this equation, who's the technology company and who's the services company? Because you would normally think, oh yeah, IBM that's a technology provider, and, and ADP is is on the services side, and yet it was completely reversed, and then. Uh, one day out of the clear blue, uh, I got a call from a recruiter for an opportunity at, at ADP. And I thought, yeah, uh, I'm interested. I'm in. I, I like the way we do things. And uh, I've been I've been in the space ever since. been 17 years now with ADP and I guess 20 plus all in. But all the way back to aerospace engineering. Yeah, well, I'm sure based on the warp speed that you guys work sometimes, it's important to uh, to tie those things together. I don't know if you see in the chat, uh, Howard Tarnoff said you were looking great. Uh, hey, no thanks, comments, Howard. Any comments? Uh, Frank Wittenauer <laughs> said, great to uh, see your guest speaking today. So it uh, looks like you've got some old fans in here as well. It's a great community that you've built. So congrats. Yeah, thanks. So, um, Don, one of the things that's fascinating to me, and I told you this story when we were doing a little bit of prep, was uh, about my son. And, you know, my son who's 17, was a camp counselor this year. And he's like, oh my gosh, I just downloaded this thing called the ADP app. And I was like, weird, this is getting close to home. And he's like, yeah, this ADP app, it's really cool. I was like, whoa, did you just call an ADP app really cool? He's like, well, yeah, I put my hours in and I basically can see my gross pay and I can see my net pay. He's like, what's the difference between gross and net? had that conversation, which was a big <laughs> thing. He goes, I can see exactly what I'm getting paid. I can see exactly where it went from a direct deposit standpoint. He goes, why is it got one cent the first week? I'm like, well, that's called a pre-note. He's like, why is it called a pre-note? I'm like, okay, we don't want to talk about this. But all of that other stuff, you know, to the point where he's like, hey, I have a trivia question for you. I was like, okay. 
he goes, what does ADP stand for? And I said, automated data products. He's like, nope, I can't believe you're in this space and you don't even know what ADP stands for. And I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure I do. He goes, always designing for people. And I was like, how does the 17 year old know that? Uh, but really, really interesting. So, I mean, if you think about a company that's been around for a long time, you know, and a company that's been known as a payroll company, the fact that Jessica, who just said they had a very similar experience with their daughter, and my son Ben <laughs> had the experience, I'm like, is ADP now becoming like the next Snapchat or, you know, the next TikTok? And I know that's not what we're talking about, but love to get your thoughts on that because clearly what you're doing is working as far as creating apps that somehow these people that we'll call kids are finding engaging, which kudos to you, dude, because I'm not sure I thought that was possible. Yeah, I didn't think it was possible either. But, uh, you know, it's 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 funny. You really have to go back to I'll call it the, the mobile revolution here. And, uh, you know, we launched our first mobile app in 2009. And, and that was a bigger game changer for us than than probably we, we realized at the time. And the reason is, you know, we always called ourselves uh, a B to B to C company, right? Business to business to consumer. So we we touch the consumers. We always touch the consumers, but it was always through one channel and one channel only, and that was, you know, our our clients who were organizations of all stripes, corporations, nonprofits, government, you name it. But there was always an intermediary. And when we put our first app up on the App Store, that's where we broke that connection. And now the consumer was coming straight in and finding it and downloading it. And interestingly enough, leaving us feedback online in the, the form of star ratings. Like the very first iteration of the app we put up there had like 2.3 stars and a, a lot of nasty comments. We're like, oh my goodness, what have we unleashed here? It's, it's Pandora's box. And uh, I, I think that was kind of the pivot point where we recognized that we needed to, to change um, our emphasis and our philosophy around around who our customer is, which is still predominantly our, our client, but more and more so uh, the employee. Um, I just give you a couple of interesting uh, factoids on that. When I started at ADP, again, back in 2006, we had one person in design. We had one UX designer. Today, we've got about 300 people and they fulfill all kinds of crazy roles like designers, researchers, design systems. We have behavioral psychologists, content writers, copywriters, uh, you name it. We hire people out of places like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal to say, how do we present information? So it's been it's been quite a transformation. Um, it's it's one that I really do pin to that that mobile revolution that says, you know, we can we, we, we break the direct channel and go straight to the consumer. And uh, I had my own personal kind of funny experience like that, if I could, if I could share back with you, Jason. But uh, early on, in, in addition to the, you know, getting my first exposure to online ratings and reviews, but we had this, this funny experience. We were doing a, a, you know, a corporate leadership retreat uh, in Washington, D.C., and they gave us a, a task. You had to go around the monuments and and take interesting pictures, right? Who could come back with the interesting pictures? So we roll up on the Lincoln Memorial and there's a, a group of, of young women there. Uh, they're all wearing matching t-shirts. They're doing something, I have no idea what, but I quickly discern they're, they're in a sorority and I guess it's like an initiation or a rush thing. And they're like, okay, <clears throat> this will make an interesting picture. So I, I go up and, and talk to them and say, and they're, they're, they're really sweet. Uh, and I said, hey, you know, we're doing this corporate thing and we got to take pictures. Would you mind taking a picture with us? And they're like, yeah, sure. No problem. But just by the way, what company do you work for? And I said, well, we, we work for ADP. And I said, oh, ADP? We love ADP. And I, I'm scratching <laughs> my head here. Like, uh, that's automatic data processing. So you were right, uh, Jason, and your, your son was wrong. But like, oh, yeah, we know ADP. They all worked at summer camps. They had summer camp jobs. They had downloaded the app. They said, yeah, we go in, we use our phones, we clock in, we clock out, we see our pay, we can request time off and it's super easy. And that was really an eye-opening experience for us about you know, this direct to consumer world, uh, how much we have interaction with them and the new generation entering the workforce that has this more of a, 
mobile first, mobile only mind, mindset. Just one other factoid for you, we're on pace this year for about 3.5 billion uh, logins on, on our mobile wow. app, which is, yeah, which is pretty crazy. And, and we've, we've crossed the Rubicon, by the way, where we get more employee, more activity on mobile than, than desktop, so. Mm -hmm. So Incredible. really interesting about that. So, you know, there's a lot of people and you've, you and I have had these conversations before, but you know, there's a lot of people that would be like, uh, ADP, it's a payroll company, you know, ADP, it's a payroll company, you know, and you know, you guys have been going through some massive positioning about, Hey, are we a payroll company? Like, are we a technology company? You know, and at the end of the day, you know, what's going on is we're trying to make sure, quote unquote, that we get people paid, right? Um, but you're so much more than that. So, you know, I'd love to, um, I'd love to just get your thoughts on that as far as, you know, what do people think of as ADP? Like, is your goal to have all of those people be like, uh, yeah, uh, we love you, um, you know, which by the way, is, that's more of a consumer brand kind of thing. You know, or is our goal to be like, okay, cool, got it. Um, but, uh, you know, our goal is to really think about how do we change the game for HR going forward. Um, yeah. Just love your thoughts on those th on that. Yeah, like our goal is to be is to be ubiquitous in, in, in the space here. And uh, just stepping back for a second. So today, even the majority of our business, if you just use revenue as a metric, but it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a good business metric. Majority of our business is actually, you know, HR benefits and payrolls, probably a, a substantial minority, but but more than 50 percent uh, is is in the broader kind of human capital management context. Uh, we administer benefit plans for for over 10 million people. Uh, we've got about 39 million employee records active right now. That's not archive. That's not history. That's that's this year's uh, active base. Um, wow. And then. And then we do our fully outsourced, uh, you know, full HR outsourcing. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, kind of my my old days experience. We do, you know, traditional HR BPO for the uh, the enterprise market, or in the small and mid-sized business market. We also, you know, have what we call a PEO, a professional employer organization, where we actually become that that employer of record on behalf of the client. We have over five million people worldwide in our outsourced. Um, HR concepts as well. Um, so really that, that full time uh, end to end uh, or full scope end to end. Um, one other thing I just throw at you though, because you talk about the consumers, that's an area we have been pushing down the path more and more. So one of the things in that is, uh, is we have our Wisely uh, brand of, of employee financial wellness. So if your son hasn't signed up for a Wisely card, I would uh, strongly recommend it uh, to him, but it's a, it's a digital wallet because we're finding Again, a lot of the newer generations coming into the uh, workforce, either they, they don't have bank accounts or they don't trust banks or regardless, they still like to do um, some of their personal financial uh, business and, and wellness uh, in other channels. So we launched our own personal financial wellness brand called Wisely, and we have over a million and a half people uh, who use that um, as their, you know, call it as their neo bank or non-bank. It's not a bank. Um, the PR people would uh, get mad at me if I said that, but it's a personal financial wellness tool that's focused on the individual and it's portable, you know, so if, if he leaves, uh, he can take it with him. It's not tied to his employer back to, you know, becoming a little bit more consumer centric. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, one of the, the other thing I was just going to say is I was going to ask the people in the audience this question, how many people actually believe what Don said, that there was a group of people that actually <laughs> saying, I love ADP. Like, is, is, does anyone actually believe, Don? Just say yes or no. Because I'm always curious as to what software vendors say. You know, <laughs> I, I, yeah. have pic I have a picture. I have a picture. That story is too good. And he has a picture. He's I don't know. If I, how do I, how uh, do I, share I have it? a picture. I'm actually going to share it. That's why I asked the question. Because uh. I was going to show the picture. And it is the funniest picture <laughs> in the world. You know, and Don, excuse me for about what I would say, but it is about it is a bunch. I'm looking at the picture right Dorkiest now. Dorkiest guys, so, yeah. It's a bunch of dorky guys with lanyards, with yeah. a bunch of um, college age women wearing pink hats, saying, you know, <laughs> going 
a heart sign. Right. <laughs> in a second. And I was like, holy, nine, like ABP sure. is really moving along here. <laughs> so anyway, believe it, believe it. It's true. See, Casey and everybody, my kids think they get paid by ADP. That's amazing. So Don, another question that I had, and sorry, Jess, I got so many questions for Don is, you know, as you That's guys- That's okay, my burning question. All of this is set up for my burning question. <laughs> well, now he's nervous. Uh, so as, you know, as we, as, you know, as the world has moved forward and as the world has changed, okay, so much in the last few years, you know, getting payroll done is still massively important. And we know if we can't get payroll done, you know, we're in a world of hurt. But what else are you doing from a human capital standpoint that, that organizations should actually think about? Because what we find is we find a lot of organizations will use your tools for payroll and there's capabilities that you have around recruiting or around, you know, performance and check-ins and things like that, that people don't even know you have. And I'd love just a little bit of your direction on that as far as where do you see, you know, yourselves going, you know, not just now, but into the future. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's probably one of the toughest problems that we have because we actually do so much um, that most folks don't really understand. I would tell you probably inside our own company, uh, we have folks who don't understand the, the full scope of what we do. So um, in addition to the, the classic sort of full suite starting from hire to retire, recruiting, onboarding. I mean, we, we help our clients hire millions of people uh, every single year and onboard them. Obviously payroll, I mentioned 10 million people for whom we administer benefits, 15 million people for whom we manage you know, their time and labor and, and schedules, uh, the 39 million employee records. Um, but there are like some, some other areas that we've, we've pushed into. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, check-ins, uh, which is our tools that we build uh, for uh, managers to manage teams. It was a company that was near and dear uh, to your heart there, Jason, back in the day uh, uh, when we acquired uh, the Marcus Buckingham company and had built a really great suite for how to build teams and how to, how to actually train and help managers be better managers. Like, the thing we know is most people get promoted into managerial roles with no training and, and no experience. Um, and most most companies don't, there are really two ways of thinking. Our view is the most important role in any company is probably the frontline manager, right? Mm, it's, yeah. that's the person who's making the majority of the decisions, right? Uh, it's, it's making all the decisions on who to hire, who to pay, who to promote, how to compensate, how to build the team, you know, run the team, that's where the work gets done. So, and it's, if you think about a traditional management pyramid, probably 90% of your managers are frontline managers and they get the least amount of training and help. Um, so, you know, being in that content side of the business is something that probably folks don't understand that we offer tools uh, as well as content, as well as coaching uh, to help folks develop. And then two other areas I, I mentioned really uh, quickly. So one is I think with everything we do, um, the one thing that's great about, about having that foundation payroll is I think we have the best information in the human capital management space um, because some of the data, you know, we'll all be honest, in, in our HR systems is, can, be, can be quite shoddy uh, at times. I was going to use a different word, but I heard last week's podcast and I know Jason, <laughs> you're, you're keen on maintaining your, your clean rating. So, shoddy, right? Shoddy, I mean, shoddy data. <laughs> Just, uh, we can just change one of the letters, right? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, exactly. But but the one area where you have great data and great information is payroll. Payroll data is about as close to perfect as it can be because guess what? If it's ever not, somebody's going to let you know uh, right away. But what's interesting is is what's probably underappreciated is how much insight we can get out of payroll data. So, so for sure, we can look at compensation data. And that's been really interesting lately because compensation scales have been moving more rapidly than at any, any time in, in you know, my 20 plus years history in the space. But there's other data we have. We have, I think, better turnover data because who knows for sure when somebody started exactly when they started exactly when they left, it's when they come on and off of, of, of payroll. And then we have people movement data 
which is interesting because we have the tax and we know where you live and where you work. Uh, we have interesting information about um, uh, where income resides, where income uh, is earned, uh, where it moves. And so interestingly enough, we can even see, um, we can see uh, from a, a real estate perspective, we can see neighborhoods that are gentrifying because I can look at the average income moving in. We can see neighborhoods that are deteriorating because I can see uh, income moving out. And then here's one really interesting one. I'll, I'll put my disclaimer on this for a second. So everything we do, uh, we, we have two separate teams. We have the production data team and then we have the data analytics team. We have a privacy wall in between those two. We uh, anonymize and aggregate and hash the data before we move it over. Uh, and we have our own AI ethics board, which has both internal as well as external people on it, you know, watching what we do. So my disclaimer, but um, here's a, a really interesting one that we've been looking at and figuring out how to productize where there's been so much turnover because we do touch so many people in the workplace. When somebody leaves your organization, there's a pretty decent chance they're going to another organization that's also an ADP client. And then likewise, when you hire somebody uh, in, there's a chance that, a good chance that the, the place that they're coming from also an ADP client. So and we know when people change jobs, there's often a premium involved in switching, right? Mm -hmm. But now I can look at the average premium that you pay to attract someone from a basket of competitors. And then I can look at the average premium they pay to pull someone away. And if I put those two into ratio, I think that tells you something about the power of your employment brand relative oh to your competitors. And so we're just having like all kinds of fun with data science, but that's just all coming out of the payroll system. So think about that. I, I believe, it's my hypothesis, that this will be the most powerful indicative metric of your employment brand, yes. all, coming out of, all coming out of payroll data. Oh, that's all so interesting. Okay, I have to dig. Now I have like three burning questions. Yeah, so there's a question. Up. We have to take a question from the audience before you're. Yeah, let's do Holly's. More, not that they're more important, but I have. Well, Holly's question is: Are one in six Americans still paid by ADP? Yeah, know. that is that is still. And actually, here's a here's another interesting one for you because I don't think we talk about it enough. Um, in addition to the the pay side of the business, so one in six, yes, that's still the case. Um, wow. We also, for some of our clients. We'll do, uh, maybe they have a, an in-house payroll, but we'll do their tax filing or we'll do their wage payment. So if you, if you added those, we call them standalone pay and standalone. So you do your own processing, but you let us handle your back office. Uh, so if you add in the standalone pay <clears throat> and standalone tax, uh, we touch close to 75 million people in the US alone. In fact, last year we did over 80 million, we processed over 80 million W-2s. And, you know, some people get more than one, obviously, but uh, so that that's a that, that's my point about the foundation of, you know, it's it's almost like one in two that we're touching at some point in the year. So it's yeah. a 50-50 shot if you hire or lose someone that they're going to another uh, company in the ADP ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, you guys are such an important company in what work is you know, in the, around the world. Um, Stephen Hunt, by the way, Stephen Hunt, I have something I need from you. Um, Stephen, I quoted something that I learned from you. Do you know Stephen, Don? Um, I don't know that I do. So oh, you need to meet make your virtual acquaintance. You need to meet Stephen. <laughs> Stephen, I quoted something from you the other day that said there were more uh, old people in the world than young people in the world for the first time ever. Uh, and that, you know, and that more people were retiring than were joining the workforce. And I got immediately questioned, like, where did you get that data? Who gave you that data? Oh, Stephen Hunt. Uh, so, Stephen, I need to get that data from you. But Stephen just asked a question that I love, and this is not surprising based on Stephen. Has ADP done much work with customers to calculate the ROI of pay levels beyond just looking at turnover or engagement? It seems obvious and valuable to link payroll data to productivity, services, and sales data to see how much pay impacts these things, but very few companies ever seem to do it. Yeah, I know. Nice to meet you too, Stephen. Thanks. And uh, um, we do. It's it's one of the things that I think makes it really hard and where we've been putting a lot of emphasis is how do you normalize uh, for skills, right? And so then we've mm -hmm. been the last few years, I mentioned one of our best uh, data sources in this capacity, I mentioned uh, all the recruiting work that we do. 
So on those uh, millions of people who, who we help our clients hire every year, we get millions of job postings and we see tens of millions of resumes. Uh, and those resumes obviously have, have skills and capabilities and certifications and education. We've been building a ginormous skills graph out of that to help us normalize um, along those dimensions. We've got over 7,000 jobs that we're benchmarking now, and it's still early stages. I'll tell you another interesting one though, that's underappreciated uh, that we got a lot of good insight on. It's spans of control, okay? So that's a, a common topic, you know, spans and layers, et cetera. But spans of control, it's one of those ones where I think sometimes uh, uh, the finance team will kind of come in and, and maybe dictate, uh, not always in the most productive way, um, where you say, hey, we just wanna, we just wanna increase spans of control. And we, we sort of ask ourselves the question, okay, well, well why? I, I, I get that you can save costs if you increase spans, right? That's, that's a euphemism for, for fewer managers. But, you know, what's the right number? And, and like many companies, you know, we, we, we went through an exercise like this a bunch of years ago. We brought an outside consultant in and they told us what their benchmark for spans of control were. And then we had to align everything to the industry benchmark. But then the question we ask is, well, is that benchmark any good? Right. You know, and, and I asked the consultant, well, where did this come from? And same kind of question, Stephen, that you're asking, like, you know, can you can you empirically prove that that this is right? Or do you just tell all your clients that that's the right thing? And then you benchmark them and they're all following the herd. So here's what we found. And we what we did is we correlated uh, engagement and turnover. So like a really good hard metric turnover two spans of control. And what we found, interestingly enough, is uh, engagement increased and turnover actually decreased a little bit initially with spans of control going up. Right. So it's like if you had very, very low spans, you know, maybe you're a manager with two two employees, uh, maybe you're micromanaging a little bit too much and, and folks didn't like that. So. So, yeah, so it went up a little bit. Um, so it's an argument. Every every situation is different. Right. We're talking about thousands of job types across millions of employees and, and hundreds of thousands of clients. And every situation is a little unique. But just in the aggregate, increased spans led to actually slightly higher engagement and reduced turnover up to a point, um, but then once you got much past five or six, it, it started to turn down. And this goes back to the earlier conversation we we're having about, you know, like most managers aren't really trained or, or, or given good background in, in managing. And one of the number one things that we see from managers uh, in terms of employee engagement and, and retention is just attention, you know, the attention span. And so we can't get on this treadmill of just continuously increasing spans and spans and spans yes i can i can show you a hard dollar cost takeout but it has a real impact of the on the organization and that's another one where by the way coming straight out of payroll data because we know who you are we know who your your supervisor is and the, who proves your pay so we can see your spans and we can see your turnover and it was a very easy connection to make uh on that regard um Compensation data, much trickier to work with because of the extensive amount of normalizing we have to do for skills and experience and certifications. And so we're on that journey and, and having a lot of fun with it. Jeff, That's a great question. it's all you. It's all you, <laughs> I've, I've definitely asked too many questions. Not too many. There's so many good questions to be asked. And I think it's because ADP is so expansive. I mean, the scale of people data you have presents a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity. And I guess both of my questions come down to the power of data. I'm gonna, I'll just throw you a couple of balls and you hit hit one and then hit the other, whatever you wanna do. There's he a couple, there are- He hits all balls out of the park, just for the record. Out of the so. park, yes. Okay, so I'll start with a couple of things that are top of mind for me. Um, the first one, September 21st. Does anybody know what September 21st is? September 21st is equal pay day for black women. Ooh. Yeah. With the power of data that you have, the span, like the literal, it's like mind numbing how much people data and payroll data you have. What is the corporate social responsibility that somebody like ADP or that individual employers have to fix the pay problem? Like it's, it's mind boggling that it's not fixed, but it's complex too. I don't want us to keep using that as an excuse, 
But how do we fix pay equity? And then I'd love to touch on pay transformation, not just related to skills, which you just mentioned, but all of this boundaryless recruiting, mm -hmm. recruiting talent from everywhere outside of commuting distance, maybe like some employers, you stick to a time zone, but still we've we've introduced the boundaryless organization and obviously there's impact to pay and how we address um, cost of living adjustments and market-based competitive pay and all of that stuff. Either one, they're both a little bit needy. <laughs> well, let me let me take the first one first. That, that was a new stat uh, on me on the on on the September twenty first. I'm I'm very familiar with the March fifteenth uh, women's uh, uh, equal pay. That's for day. women, which yeah, is horrifying that's, enough. September. That's, right. ugh. that's not. Not good. Um, this is something we, we we take really seriously, both both inside, um, but we've made a lot of progress progress on on actually I'll call it productizing this. So um, a few years ago, uh, I would say it's now like four or five years ago, uh, we launched our first um, pay equity dashboard. And so here's here's a product and a tool that will go through and 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 crawl information in your organization and actually surface. And this is one where it's a little bit less complicated than the external benchmark I was describing before, because now we're just doing an internal benchmark, right? And so it's a little bit easier to normalize skills and jobs and titles inside an organization versus comparing across an organization. So the original release was a, a few years back. Um, and actually just last year, I, can I plug a little bit of a product for a second? But uh, we, we, we got product of the year. <laughs> It was it was product of the year at, at HR Tech last year for what we called our diversity, equity, and inclusion um, storyboards, and one of them is is the pay equity storyboard. What we found was we were putting a lot of data out there, um, but if unless you were you were like a, a hardcore data scientist, it, it might have been a little hard to follow. So I mentioned we went back uh, interesting skills that we're hiring for these days. So we we hired data journalists. That was the role I was describing before. We hired a couple of data journalists and took all of this pay equity data that we were sitting on, but that was maybe a little hard to hard to unpack and put it into these almost infographic styles, made it really easy. And then we just turned it on in silent mode, just turned it on in silent mode, didn't advertise it, didn't broadcast it. So they just put it out there and step back and, and watch what happened. And we had over a thousand clients discover it. And then here's the amazing thing. And this is where we're just showing, hey, you've got Here's two people, we're getting very specific. Here's two people, same job, same skills, same experiences, different pay, up to you. What do you want to do with it? Like, where I'm just serving up the information. Over 75% of the organizations who've turned that on, and we're talking about like over a thousand organizations now, um, have acted on it. Wow. They've, made, they've made pay adjustments for over 210,000 individuals, the average adjustment made has been over $5,000. So now we're talking about in aggregate, north of a billion dollars, north of a billion dollars of pay that has been returned to the community. And if you think about like, you know, $5,000 a year, well, look, the average wage in the country is in the 50 to $60,000 Mm -hmm. uh, realm. So now you're talking about a 10% increase uh, to the person. We're really, as you can tell, we're really, we're really jazzed about that. And I think yeah. it's an area where, where yeah. we can help. And we're, we're trying to do a, a part um, in yeah. that. Um, and then the remote hiring thing, you know, again, sounds really easy. We'd all like to snap our fingers and say, amazing, we can hire talent anywhere. What an opportunity yeah. for not just talent and, and equal opportunity and diversifying the workforce, um, but but truly to hire the best talent anywhere in the world. What an opportunity. Again, a little more complex than just saying we can and we should and we will. There's impact to how we address pay, compensation strategy when you're looking at a global talent pool. Any any thoughts or comments yeah. on that? Yeah, and, and absolutely. And I love taking it in a couple of, of dimensions. So there's the there's the you know remote or virtual workforce, actually the one that we're most focused on right now is the work from anywhere crowd um, because uh, you can't say pay without you know it's twin tax and now yeah. it's interesting you have a whole bunch of of jurisdictions that are interested and i've got a lot of clients that i'm working with who are saying look 
I've got these folks, they, they tell me they're working from home, but then I go on their social media feed and I see that they spent a couple of weeks in California on the beaches there. And guess what? State of California is going to want uh, its fair share, as will, as will others. And so I think that the one challenge that we're really zeroing in on right now is in this, not just a remote, but a truly hybrid work from anywhere environment. How do we not only get the pay right, but how do we get the taxes right? Because there's a, there's a reckoning um, that's going to happen. Another, another reckoning that's coming is on the uh, gig worker space. Um, you know, we, we did an acquisition a few years ago of a company called Work Market that specializes in, uh, it's a 1099 platform that helps corporations hire gig workers, hire them compliantly. So guess what? A lot of states now have caught on to the fact that there are all these gig workers out there and they want to make sure that they understand uh, where they're working, what they're working on, um, and how do we get a cut? Um, but I'd, I'd love to, if I could take a second, because I think there's another piece of the puzzle on this hiring remote work uh, re workers side that isn't really being well contemplated right now, and that is the onboarding and engagement process. And going back to the, the content side, you know, uh, you know, through through the Marcus Buckingham company, we've been studying engagement for over 20 years, and and we can cut it. A zillion different ways, you know, by job, by location, by gender, you name it. Uh, you can also cut it by tenure. And in the 20 plus years that we've been doing the study, one, there's, there's this really interesting in, impact, which is the highest engaged workforce are always first year, right? They call it the honeymoon effect. It's like, hey, I'm brand new. I, I joined the company. I'm full of expectations and vigor and you know, they haven't beaten out of all my enthusiasm out of me yet. Yes. So uh, what was interesting was, so last year was the first year in the 20 plus year history of that survey that the honeymoon effect went away. Wow. And so, and, and this was, you know, that was at the peak of, of everybody working remote. And so I think organizations are certainly, and, and, and I'm the same, I, I, I have a 10,000 person organization. We're in 15 countries, six continents. We haven't put a flag in Antarctica yet, but you never know. Um, so we hire globally, uh, but we need to be really focused. It's really exciting to say, yeah, I'm gonna tap into that talent pool and I'm gonna find new folks that I've never been able to access before. What else am I going to change? What is going to change in my onboarding process? What's going to change in my manage? Have I trained my managers on how to manage remote workers? Um, have I trained teams in terms of how to operate in a remote or hybrid environment? So I think there's a, a bit of a challenge here that's, that's being overlooked. Point. Yeah, and there's this initial rush of excitement of, oh, well, this is great. I can source talent anywhere. It's like, yeah, great. And now you have to manage them. And now you have to engage them. And now you have to provide for them. So great yeah. responsibility. Jess, you told me you had one question that you wanted to ask Don before we started and you haven't asked yet. So maybe that's the closing comment. Uh, it kind of is. I mean, it's along the lines of the power of data. I also love, like Steve is bringing these amazing questions too. I, I know, really wherever, wherever Steve's on, it's we just have to like, well, that, you know, uh, I can't wait guest, for him to be on. Yeah, two weeks. He's our guest September 9th. So uh, yeah. we'll put the pressure on. A lot of people ask questions. Okay, so the second question, so great. So this whole pay transformation I alluded to based on paying for skills. What about paying for value? That's another great way to think about this. And what if I decide I need to lean out right now? I'm, I'm, I'm busy in other parts of my life. Work isn't my only or, or my main priority. And I want to contribute less value. I might be highly skilled, but what if I want to contribute less value at this point? Uh, Steve makes the point about decreasing Pay. Nobody ever decreases pay. You just lay off. But what about decreasing pay based on value? Is that a yeah. concept? Um, I don't see a lot of it right now. I'll be I'll be candid with you. But I think I'll, I'll just bridge back to what I was describing before. I, I I think the route there is back to the whole gig economy side. I yeah. think that's the the move of saying you know I'm I'm still interested. I want to cont continue to contribute, but maybe I, I want to put forward at a different pace or time than, than historically what I did. You know, mm -hmm. when, when, we got, when we got into the gig market uh, space, um, we had done a lot of research on this. And, and by the way, there, I've seen studies out there that say, oh, you know, five years from now, we're all gonna be gig work. No, that's, that's not gonna happen. Mm. What we have did, we did, this is a fun little research project. So, uh, so we called the IRS, we called the research department at the IRS. They have, 
They have a research department. By the way, I bet really, he has their own direct phone line to that. <laughs> we, <laughs> we do have a, a lot of contact in there. You are yeah. you are spot on there. But uh, by the way, super friendly people in the IRS research, the research department, super yeah. friendly, super nice, super, super helpful. And so, you know, we asked them a simple question. How many W-2s have been formed, have, have been filed for the last 20 years? And how many 1099s have been filed for the last 20 years? In particular, the 1099M, which is the preferred uh, form of the gig worker. And what they showed was over that 20 year horizon, the number of W-2s had very, it's a gradual, like things like the, this whole, hey, we're all gonna be gig workers in five years. No, change doesn't happen that fast. But right. you can see a very steady, very gradual decline in the number of W-2s, very steady to the tune of like a one, one and a half percent per year change. But then when you roll those forward over 10 to 20 years, then all of a sudden you start to say, yeah, we have a lot of people uh, who are who are working for themselves because they want to be the owners of their own labor, the deciders of how much they do or don't contribute, and uh, as a result, you know they control. Uh, you can right when you're when you're a gig worker, you can set your own rate, and here's my rate, and I'll either work for that or not. I can decide how much to contribute. So I do think that is the wave of the future, and I think that's really uh, if somebody's like yourself interested in doing that we see it happening in the data and it's been happening for a long time and it's continuing to happen but at a very gradual pace okay i have two minutes left let's see if i can get it out there we started talking about apps and the reason consumer apps are so good is because they use a lot of information about us and we sort of make this agreement in our in our lives to hand over or forsake a little bit of our privacy and and online security and that like we give up a little bit of our of our data imprint to be honest because we know it's going to come back to us and give us better more personalized experiences makes our, make make our lives easier and frictionless and and make us you know easier consumers you have so much data you just talked about over 80 million records 39 million active employee records, employer of choice or employer of record and employer of choice. <laughs> um, from a data realm, like the, the power, again, the power to, to create and personalize and nurture people and their experiences really to enhance their lives comes from how much data you have to work with. You have a lot of work data. What's the opportunity or what's the appropriate amount of data to collect about people to give them a better enriched experience yeah because we're uh, hearing a lot about this whole person approach to workforce experience bring your whole self to work give us all of you take your masks off when you get to work and we'll give you everything back in, in the form of evp and culture and benefits and, and a great place to belong and all of that stuff so how do we make how do we marry human data and work data to do that yeah no it's it's a great question it's one i think that the industry is is definitely grappling with. I mean, like you, I, I have a very simple way of thinking about all of these apps and all the data they collect. It's the value to pain relate, ratio, right? Yeah. Value to pain. Um, it's why I do not have uh, TikTok uh, on my phone, if you've, you've seen the terms <laughs> of conditions there, but all my kids do. So, you know, if anybody yeah. TikTok out there, don't worry, you've got you've got 80% share of households here. Um, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a tough problem. And that's, I, I mentioned it earlier. So we have our AI ethics board, which we started over four years ago. Uh, and on our AI ethics board, we have our uh, chief privacy officer uh, who we've had uh, uh, for several years. She's a lawyer, she comes from France. They do all the best privacy work uh, over there. We have our general counsel. We have our uh, head of internal uh, employment uh, relations. Um, and then we, as I mentioned, we have external, uh, we have somebody from the academic world and we have somebody from the, the labor relations world, because the first thing we want to do is, you know, we believe in the Hippocratic oath, you know, first do no harm. And so yeah. we do need to be very, very careful around what we do and, and don't use. And I think the, the big one that's coming after that we're, we're looking at right now is this, uh, movement in the privacy world around right to be forgotten. Okay. But yeah. how do I do? But how do I do right to be forgotten in a B2B to C context? Like yeah. just for, for fun, I mentioned these gig workers. It's like, hey, you paid me that $10,000. Now I'd like you to forget about me. It's fun. <laughs> it's yeah. to do. So 
I, I don't know that I have the perfect answer for that. I think this is a really yeah. complex area. And I, all I can say is you, you hit the nail on the head and, and we're taking it very seriously and studying it hard um, because it's, it's one where I think, you know, the, the, the industry got out in front and now the, the regulatory landscape hasn't was, was left behind it and now it's rapidly catching up. Um, and I think there'll be a, a reckoning here uh, yeah. when the two sides fully collide. It's a tough problem. You hit them all out of the park. Holy cow, oh, Don. <laughs> you're too kind. Uh, so, Don, does, that, does this mean I get to come to the party? Yeah, for yes! sure. Oh, yeah, okay. for sure. We can't wait. Thank you so much for being here today. I um, want to be uh, cognizant of people's time. I saw a few people yeah. dropped off, but we still have a lot of people on. So, um, you know, there was one other question. I don't know if you want to get to it real quick. Um, I'd love to hear what the gig economy will mean for ADP and how they will adapt mm. over time. Uh, yeah. I thought I think that's interesting. I don't know if you want to save that for a drink or if you want to, uh, but I mean, it's a great, great, maybe real quick, your thoughts. Yeah, well, we'll any, we can go deeper at the party. Um, but, you know, real quick, we look at it on 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 two sides, both as a, as a consumer of people's, you know, work. Uh, and so we are growing and continuing to leverage uh, more more gig workers, certain types of roles. But also for, for ADP, we talked a little bit more about, uh, you know, becoming more consumer oriented and watching people transition. And, and so maybe somebody left, you know, that that full time uh, traditional job we talked about and you want to transition into a into a gig role. And we want to maintain that relationship with that person for life. And, and that's another example of us being a little bit more consumer oriented as a growth vector for our business um, down the line. So I think on, on both sides of the equation, but, you know, happy to, happy to see, hopefully we'll see uh, lots of folks here at HR Tech and, and yes. happy to chat further. Yeah, thank you for being here, Don. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Have a great weekend. Fantastic. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, Chuck's our Vegas party's on his birthday. So we're clearly if Chuck's not going to be there, we're going to have to FaceTime him from the party. Yep. Uh, glad to see Andy here. Glad to see all you guys here. I hope you guys have a great, um, week next week. Uh, Jess and I are taking Friday off, right, Jess? We are. Leapton added a day to the Labor Day in the U.S., Labor Day holiday weekend here. We're off on Friday. Jason and I are going to give it to ourselves, too. So we're probably (laughs) not going to do a meetup. If we decide to do a meetup, we'll definitely send out a note. Yes. Uh, Jess will probably be from a paddleboard. I'll probably be from a boat. But uh, more than likely, we're not doing a meetup next week. And then on September 9th, we'll have Stephen Hunt. And then the following week, uh, we'll be live from HR Tech. So if you're Uh, not going to make it to HR Tech for one reason or another, I'm going to take you to HR Tech because I'm going to go live from the end of the conference, probably from Jason's keynote stage as soon as he departs and runs for a plane. I'll just take us live and wrap the week with you. Awesome. Thanks, Jess. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks. You too. Thank you. Love you all.